0: Hi, I'm Lauren Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a long-time gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. We are hitting Romans today, and this is the all about Romans, or a quick overview about Romans, which if you recall is a little bit different than the verse by verse or chapter and Quite and Come, Follow Me. We're going to take a step back and talk about kind of the context, history, little more of an overview so it makes more sense when we get there so this is the all about Romans which is the pinnacle of Paul's writings so let's jump in and find out why Romans is such a big deal something to think about first of all is I'm going to do a quick update well here, here are the segments we'll do today so we'll do a little bit about Romans I'll do about the setting in the background and then we'll go how does he get there when does he get there in some of these topics and then some of the structure at the very end that you're going to be covering namely how the book is split up and uh it's brilliant just brilliantly written so first of all this again like i said is kind of the all about romans it is the pinnacle of paul's teachings next to maybe john or the book of revelation this is the, the highlight in so many ways of the different literary offerings in the new testament and most quoted Uh, By most Protestant groups for sure and just a landmark book. And so if you're unfamiliar with Romans It's amazing. It takes a little bit of work. It is meaty. It's dense. It moves fast It feels a little bit like you're on a boat and the tides just taking you and you better uh, pay attention So so, but it's worth it. It's worth it scriptorians So I know you guys know that but jump in so let's let's see then kind of when it happened and, and what's going on so the Epistles are the letters now if we're leaving acts we're going into the letters. They are Organized by length for the most part so you see Romans is the biggest and we think that Paul wrote of the 14 or so epistles that Paul wrote were positive pretty positive He wrote seven of them because he says so of the other seven They are in doubt whether he wrote them or someone else wrote them And so that's why you'll find like Hebrews and a couple kind of even though they're longer they're kind of thrown in Uh, Says they're not sure It doesn't, we talk about when we get to Hebrews, my very favorite epistle, but that's kind of where they are. But it doesn't mean they're chronological. So when you've been reading Acts, again, not exactly history, but it has a lot of historical facts and it it goes through the church growing. And then you jump to the future and you're going to jump around. So don't let the chronology kind of screw you up. It's a little bit clunky, but that's that's not how it's organized. So when is this set? Well, it's one of the last ones written by Paul uh, we think that Paul was writing in the mid 50s and he originally had been jumping out of Antioch of Syria, which is the north part of Jerusalem, if you remember. And then there was kind of an incident in Galatians 2. Oh, spoiler alert. Don't go read that and find out what that drama was. But he's he's probably going to settle the kind of the hub of the church is no longer at Antioch. He's going to say, let's move it to Rome. Now, Rome, of course, is the center of the known universe and so if you could jump out of Rome but you could also he says he's gonna to go to Spain so it'd be this great jumping point for the center of all the known world and uh, also for him specifically go to Spain now I served my mission in Spain and this was like the only scripture we could ever find on Spain it was meaningless but we quoted it all the time there's a little dumb aside so it, about five years before this letter goes out, the Emperor Claudius, remember the Roman Emperor, and this is downtown Rome, right? This, these are the people that live there. He had kicked out, uh, expelled the Jews uh, from Rome. Now, that included the Christian Jews or the Jew-Jews. So they kicked them out. Of course, not all of them, but the majority of them are sent out. And then we know that Claudius dies in 54 AD. And when Nero comes in, that edict is over, so they start coming back. And so this takes place after that five-year split. And what's happened is the Gentiles who were seen as Jews uh, were sticking around. And so they have various uh, house churches is what we call them. And that means they studied at someone's house. So they're little wards or parishes. And sometimes they got a little cliquish. So they're a little bit different. and so But you'll see these references like romans 16 3, 5 like great prisca and aquila remember we priscilla and aquila back when and with apollos those same guys it's those guys Bre- Greet them and then and the church in their house and all the people that met with them so they're these little groups growing up from the gentile churches and now the jews enter back and they're the jewish christians so these are all christians so the jews and the gentiles but they're all christians and they're different they have different look and feel and the church has grown in different directions while they've been gone so the jewish christians the jews are like hey we're still kind of believing in torah the uh, the old testament and and circumcision and kosher law and sabbath observance you can check that out in romans 14 1 through 3 and and so we're still following that remember and then the gentile christians are like hey we're we're free in christ we don't need to do any of that stuff and and by the way welcome back where have you been and we've been moving on so they might despise the return of the jews and and you also see that it kind of scares up um, some anti-jewish uh, sentiment from christians or non-christians right so there's this kind of anti-jewish sentiment as well so there's this split that's gone on in part because just different cultural these two christian groups are christian are different culturally but also they've been gone and so Knowing that, you'll see a lot more about the book of Romans between, again, both groups are Christians. Don't be confused. These are not the Jews and the Gentiles that aren't Christians. These are the Jews and the Gentiles that are Christian but come from different backgrounds like we've been studying Acts. So that's that's uh, pretty much the, um, the background. But it, you really see it. One of our favorite scriptures is Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because... It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who b- believes, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. So it's like, hey, this, was, this, this brings us all together. And this is a main theme that we're going to see. So Romans 1, 16, great theme, but that's some of the context. All right, excuse me. So let's go to then how, how does Paul get there? Now, what's his message? Something about Paul, um, I love, there's a quote from Peter where he's like, yeah, Paul's hard to understand. I have always struggled with Paul. So if you struggle with Paul, you're like me. I find Paul very, very hard to understand. It it doesn't flow as naturally to me. And when I read it, I really have to dissect it and and pull it apart and see what I can figure out what it means. And uh, I I was taking a class that was all on Pauline epistles and a few of the general epistles. So Peter and 1 John. And so it was Paul, 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 Paul. And I was just struggling struggling i was like oh this is just so hard and then we flipped the page one day to peter and i was like oh this is so much clearer probably experienced something like that when you read scripture for example you read the book of mormon and you go this is so much clearer why don't they all talk like this that's kind of how paul is for me might be for you one of the reasons i find that is that he has really convoluted sentence structure so it's it's really a lot going on and then he uses this huge vocabulary not only is it hard in King James, it's hard in any English translation. Additionally, that vocabulary might not mean exactly what you think it means. Remember, he was a Pharisee. So he. we'll, we'll go through some of those together. But he uses words like justification and faithfulness. Things that you go, I, I don't know what that word means. And it might not mean what you think it means. And so then you're kind of missing the point. Eh, that was my experience. So I'll, I'll point those out and see if I can help a little bit uh, where someone had to help me. Uh, the other one is he uses... a a lot of metaphor. Can you guys know metaphors? I mean, when you're comparing something and so we love, you know, where it's the, like the Lord's the good shepherd, so sheep and and shepherds or vines and vineyards or a boat, or there's a lot of military uh, metaphors, you know, put on the armor of God and I'm a soldier. (laughs) Those are similar metaphors. Now, what Paul does is he will use a lot of them. Sometimes he'll use multiple metaphors And sometimes he will mix his metaphor, meaning mid-sentence he mixes them together. Uh, A mixed metaphor in English is like, if that person was green or if they were wet behind the ears, they mean the same thing, right? They're a novice. And if you said, they were green behind the ears, that doesn't make any sense. But that's what we do with a mixed metaphor. You see a lot of mixed metaphors, too, in sports, um, where they'll say, well, that guy was above par and we'll just have to... uh, um, you know, uh, throw a Hail Mary. So you're like, are we playing golf or are we playing football? And they'll just put it in the same sentence. Paul's a little bit like that, and that mixed metaphors. Uh, in the show notes, I will put a link to a great BYU studies chart of pages and pages of many of Paul's metaphors. And it helps to kind of see what the metaphor was, what he was probably trying to say. So when you come to an agricultural metaphor or a military metaphor, that you're like, oh, He's, he's referring back to the faithfulness of Christ or the light of the Savior or the importance of faith. And, and, and it just helps sift through that. So I'll put that link. But you can also Google it and just look up Paul's many metaphors, BYU studies. And it comes up with this fantastic chart. So lots of, it was dense, lots of metaphors. Uh, that is part of it. Let's then jump to what is he going to be talking about? So that was kind of how he does it and the setting of when he does it. What are some of the themes and messages that we have uh, a couple of them is that you're going to see about god's faithfulness so this idea of faithfulness and god's justice is a little bit different we'll talk about it in the next episode at length but god's faithfulness is how god is going to honor his promises how he is going to remain true to the promises of keeping the covenants to abraham and all mankind so it's not that god isn't faithful it's that how is he going to honor those promises how is he going to avail himself to make it possible and it's going to be through jesus but he is going to show this faithfulness both the jews and the gentiles so the covenants that were made with the uh, house of israel but also how god is going to remain faithful to the covenants that he's going to make with all mankind through the abrahamic covenant and paul's going to use that term so it's how does god's faithfulness relate to both parties how is the covenant the various covenants that the Lord has made going to be honored how is it going to be fulfilled and and Paul walks us through God's faithfulness to those covenants so whether you're Jew Gentile whether you're house of Ephraim Judah or adopted in Paul's going to explain how that's going to work and again it wasn't something they were seeing and it brings these group together so that's one of the biggest points we're going to see is the unity The unity of the church and how Christ is this great unifier that's going to bring these two disparate groups together. Let's go back and view one last thing on this overview before we turn this off. And that is this structure. So we've kind of looked at how and when and what uh, we're going to view in Romans. But the last part that I think is maybe the most helpful is the structure of the book. Now, we said that this was a masterpiece, right? It is the magnum opus, uh, probably, of Paul. And one of the reasons is because of this structure. It, While these things are letters, and sometimes you think, man, letters, letters aren't that formal like a book is, that they're just Paul's in prison or he's just cranking these out and sending them off. I know I don't spend a ton of time with my email structure. But in this case, we see that they're there's a structure and it really helps make this make more sense there are four movements that most scholars agree to the four movements are the one through four chapter one through four then chapter five through eight nine through eleven and twelve through sixteen and these four sections seem to act like a movement of a symphony that each movement has its own motif and its own flavor and themes and yet these themes all move together to push to one great symphony and its meaning the first four so the first section i think is the one we'll probably spend the most time on next time but it's one through four and that's that the gospel reveals god's faithfulness now i know in before i was defining a term called faithfulness in the king james you'll see it as righteousness but We have a hard time putting our finger on what some of these words are trying to encompass a really big idea. And righteousness might, especially today, seem a little bit more like, well, God is always righteous. or So that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think faithfulness works a little better there. Neither of them are exactly right. But you'll see righteousness used. So don't get stuck on the word. Just kind of go with it. But the first movement, chapters 1 through 4, show us that the gospel reveals God's faithfulness, God's righteousness. And then in 5 through 8, which creates a new humanity. So you'll see some themes of Adam and Christ, and Christ being the new Adam, and this new humanity that is going to be created. Then it moves on to the third movement, which is 9 through 11, that this gospel, after revealing God's righteousness or faithfulness, And then it creates a new humanity. The gospel fulfills God's promise to Israel. So way back when, when we made this promise to Israel and Abraham, we see how that's all tied out. And finally, in 12 through 16, all of this moves to unify the church. So God's righteousness creates a new humanity, which fulfills God's promise to Israel and unifies the church. Now, what did we say at the beginning? Do you remember what was causing this letter to be written and some of the problems? that the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians or Christians that came from different backgrounds were disunified and there was a fair amount of strife and infighting because of the cultural differences and the way they were practicing their covenants. And he's going to use this as this treatise to say, hey, Christ unifies the church. And if you look at him, we have a lot more in common than we do apart. Amazing. Do you think that those themes are themes that we apply today? Because, honestly, scriptorians, I love getting into the weeds on this stuff, right? And, and I've been reading a ton on Romans. It just been absolutely invigorated by what I'm finding. And there's so much scholarship on it and so many great writers that are so insightful. Um, some LDS writers, some non-LDS writers. It's led me to different conference talks. And, wow, down the rabbit hole I've gone... But when I stop and take a step back, I think, well, that's really great, Lori, but who cares? I mean, really, who cares? I mean, why are you listening to this podcast? Why do you go to church? Why do you do any of these things? If it's like, well, that was really great that I know about AD 52 and the Roman people that used to be Jewish and are now Christian. That's check that box. <laughs> is that very fulfilling? What's the purpose? So I think we ask ourselves, this is great. Who cares? And the answer is, there are amazing things we can apply. So subscribe, hit the like button, make a comment, and tell me what you think the point of having Romans is. What are you taking out of either the structure, the history, the context, the what, the how, the why? Tell me why, why Why does this matter to you? Why are you studying this? What have you ever gotten out of this? I will tell you one, a couple of things that I draw out. It might seem a little bit trite, but I feel like the church is growing so fast and we all come from different backgrounds and different countries and different belief systems and we have some of the same issues where we say hey the way I practice or the way I understand my covenants and the way what I bring to sacrament meeting and to my callings and what I teach my kids is all different. We dress different. We Uh, we're not all a single culture we have a million cultures blending together and how we understand this stuff is just like the challenge they had today and sometimes i i'll put on my hey i this is how i learned it in southern california this is how we practiced uh the church our gospel and that's different than it is where i live here i live in utah now really different it's different here and i can't imagine if you were in the uk or in africa or new zealand or pick your poison right canada they're probably like wow that's super different uh i know for the spanish saints it was very different i think these are some of the same challenges so i think one of the applications and why it matters is that these same messages are here additionally what really comes out to me is that this is a message of god and saying i he is going to be faithful to his covenants he loves us and that he is going to live by his promises and he's going to have done that through jesus And with the Savior, we can return to our Father one day. And this is the message of Romans. Pretty profound. Tell me what you think. That's it, scriptorians. Keep on reading. Next time, we will jump into probably chapter 4, chapter 8. So until next time, keep on reading.